welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic, because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. Hello, curious listeners. This is Laurel McCarg, host of Alligator Preserves. And in today's episode, you're going to meet my father. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode on hair. If you learned anything about yourself from that podcast or any others you might listen to, I would love for you to share it. I think I'll start today's episode with a question to you. Who's your daddy? And I'm not saying this in a a daytime TV talk show nightmare kind of kind of way. Ooh, gives me the the shivers just thinking about that. Not that I've ever watched any of those episodes on daytime television, but I've heard of them. I know you've probably heard of them too. I'm asking who's your daddy in a do you really know who your father is or was? Maybe even before you were a twinkle in his eye? I was fortunate enough to have both my parents until just before their 89th birthdays. I visited frequently. They lived in the South Shore of Boston, where I grew up. And uh, my mom, you'll, you'll meet my mom too, because she's part of the story. My mother one day delivered to me a shoebox from Marshall's. And she said, have I shown you these yet? Now, if anyone knows my mother, you'll know that she's a, I, I call her a catch and release shopper. She loved a bargain and with five daughters to raise, she could find a bargain anywhere. I remember, oh, days digging through shoe bins in the bargain center. But that's, that's another story. Anyway, she handed me the shoebox and I figured, oh, it's another pair of shoes that she's going to show me and probably want to give to me or return because they won't be quite right. But she got them for a bargain. Anyway, I opened the box and in it were letters, letters from my father from when he was just a young pup uh, heading off to World War II training before going to the to the war, uh, letters that he had written home to his mom and dad and his little sister and little brother. He was 19 years old. So I would like to share with you one of his letters, because the whole idea of getting to know your father is an interesting one, especially if you get to know him through his own writing from a time before he he even was a man, really. <laughs> so one month, one month after Charles Bernier turned 19 back in 1943, he boarded a train to somewhere with nothing but the clothes on his back, a toothbrush, and an extra pair of underwear. I pulled this letter out when I first got the shoebox, and, and Mom and Dad were sitting there, and I asked Dad if I could read it to him. And I 
my goodness, <laughs> when I started reading it to him, his eyes lit up and he was able to embellish certain things. And we went through several letters that way. And just the, the idea of having some, a written permanent document that could spark a memory is, was just fascinating to me. Anyway, while reading one of these letters, I discovered both his, his very early sense of humor and his uh, rather sheltered naivete, I would say. So his letter starts, To begin with, we rode on a Boston and Maine day coach that saw its prime 75 years ago. Nothing but the best for the army, you know. However, the other cars were all more modern, and it was better than walking. Leaving Mass, that's for Massachusetts, we hit the corner of Vermont, then through New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Missouri, Oklahoma, then Texas. I might have missed one or two states, but it doesn't matter. We hit snow in every state except Texas, which I think is God's country. And in parentheses here, he writes, It might be a little of the devil's, too, for it is so hot down here. We passed under the Appalachian Mountains by way of the Hoosick Tunnel and crossed the Mississippi River. After viewing the country all the way down here except for Texas, I was thankful that I lived in Massachusetts, for you don't realize the poverty that most of the people live in. Most all shacks we passed were inhabited by colored people and a few whites. Yet they seemed to be happy and waved to us as we passed by. Again, his na naivete and his interpretation of people's happiness to, to wave at a train full of soldiers going off to who knows where. The train's destination actually was Camp Swift in Texas. He goes on to describe his new daily army routine. And I think back to my boot camp at, at West Point and some of the summer training we did, and, and uh, some of the things haven't changed. <laughs> so I quote his letter. We get up at 6.30, fall out for Reveille at 6.45, and eat at 7.00. About 7.30, we fall out again and have about an hour of physical exercise, and I do mean exercise. We do all kinds of body bends and twists. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> then we form in a circle, walk, then run, then do all kinds of torture movements, <laughs> such as squatting down and walking, or walking on our hands and toes. After this, we have classes on various things such as courtesy and customs, motors, hygiene, the artillery guns, and other army methods. We eat dinner at 12. After dinner, we usually have a few more classes or a training film on different things. Then we usually go for a little walk about four. Now, I'm thinking when I first read this, a little walk at four. That, that seemed a little out of uh, character. But he goes on with, it's not so easy to keep step marching in sand. <laughs> Monday, we did a bit, a bit of wood marching. First of all, we had to leap across a pretty wide ditch. I didn't realize it was so deep or wide until I was halfway over. 
I made it all right, but some fellows just aren't jumpers. (laughs) Poor fellows with an exclamation mark. Then we do double time running up and down hills over rocks and over a log, which is a bridge over a ditch. After going through that, I think I'll give up cigarettes. Boy, was I winded. (laughs) That's where his his letter ended. Torture movements. And I knew, I knew that my dad smoked. He smoked for about 40 years, according to my mother, and uh, gave it up one Lent and never went back and then became one of the most vocal critics of anyone else who smoked around him for the rest of his life, pretty much. But I, I do think it helped him to live till he was almost 89. Pretty amazing when I think of it. And of course, you know, back then, and the the army rations, they gave them, they were cigarettes in the army rations. I uh, don't think they do that anymore. So dad was a, a pretty good tennis player back in, high, in his high school days. And uh, he could usually, usually whip my butt on the tennis court. So I, I think about this letter, you know, nothing, he had no idea where he was going, right? He's writing to his parents. And, and I wonder... I'm getting to know my dad through these letters. And I wonder what you might know about your own parents, what they were like before they became became parents, before they'd even met one another. I wonder if they're still in your lives. And would you be comfortable asking them questions? And what, what might their answers inform you about yourself? I as I read more of his letters, and and I'll share more with you later, I did learn some things about myself. You know, genetics, you can't run from genetics sometimes. Uh, Are you willing to find out what their answers might be? Not every parent-child relationship is a healthy one. I, I understand that. And not every child has an interest in their parents' past lives. I wonder sometimes if we wait too long to express our interest. And maybe we never really feel comfortable enough to, to pry, to, to ask those questions. What was your father like when he was a 19 year old boy? It's weird, right? When you think about that, if, if you even take a moment to think about that. And what's weird is that even as fully grown adults, adults, do you say adults or adults? I never know which one is right. Anyway, (laughs) when we're fully grown, it seems like all of us with our fully developed frontal lobes can't sometimes talk with one another as equals, as people who are all on the same linear path through time. Uh, You know, when I think that my dad at 19 years old his frontal cortex wasn't even developed yet. And here I, you know, here he is going off to war, writing in beautiful script, by the way, beautiful, beautiful handwriting, which might look like hieroglyphics to some people right now. What a, what a lost art. I don't want it to be a lost art. I want you all, after you listen to this podcast, to write a note to someone in cursive, please, if you remember how to do that. Anyway, 
I generally like to brainstorm at the end of my podcast about the topic, but this one's tough. It's a is the topic questions we wish our parents would answer, our questions would ask our parents. I already asked my questions and captured my parents' responses on video over the past years. Uh, every time I visited, probably over the past ten years, I'd ask a question, and you know, with their with their permission, and I'd get little recordings. So I have I have lots of them stored away that someday I'll do something with. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, and I, I also have that shoebox still filled with letters from Dad, be- from before he was Dad, before his the synapses in his prefrontal cortex were even close to being fully developed. It's re- it was really fun, really fun reading those letters. Maybe as a, a storytelling tip, how about thinking about focusing on one really small thing? When I think about this letter, this one teeny little letter that he sent his parents and the ideas and wonderings and questions it, it, it opens up for me, you could go in so many different places with one small thing. I hope I hope I didn't bore you with this. I will share more of his letters in future episodes, but I thought it was time to introduce another character in my life, my dad and and my mom. You'll hear more about her too. So that's that's that. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to my podcast and tell your friends about it. I'd love to read your comments too. And I do hope you'll tune in next week when we'll talk about something completely different. Until next week, beware of what you spread on your toast. Bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelaurel.com, where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com. Amazon.com.